Welcome back, friends. Bill Creasy here with Wednesday's episode of Scripture Uncovered. We left off Monday with King Saul's authority seriously compromised. He had ordered his men to kill Prince Jonathan, Saul's own son, and the men refused. Now, if a commanding officer issues an order and the men refuse to carry it out, how will he proceed as he moves ahead? I suspect he'll develop a fear of his own men. And now we'll see that fear play out in 1 Samuel 15. Saul, uh, Samuel said to Saul, I am the one the Lord sent to anoint you king over his people Israel. So listen now to the message from the Lord. This is what the Lord Almighty says. I will punish the Amalekites for what they did to Israel when they waylaid them as they came up from Egypt. Well, that was some time ago. Saul becomes king in 1050 BC. The Israelites come out of Egypt in 1446 BC. So that was a while ago. But now, I will punish the Amalekites for what they did to Israel when they waylaid them as they came up from Egypt. Now go, attack the Amalekites, and totally destroy everything that belongs to them. Put them under the ban. Do not spare them. Put to death men and women and children and infants and cattle and sheep and camels and donkeys, everything that breathes. Slaughter them all. So Saul summoned the men. And he mustered them at Te'alim. 200,000 foot soldiers and 10,000 men from Judah. Saul went to the city of Amalek and he set an ambush in the ravine. And then he said to the Kenites, Go away, leave the Amalekites, so I do not destroy you along with them. I don't want collateral damage here. You showed kindness to all the Israelites when they came up out of Egypt. So the Kenites got out of Dodge. They moved away from the Amalekites. Then Saul attacked the Amalekites all the way from Havilah to Shur to the east of Egypt. He took Agag, king of the Amalekites, alive, and all his people he totally destroyed with the sword. But Saul and the army spared King Agag, and the best of the sheep and cattle, the fat calves and lambs, everything that was good. These they were unwilling to destroy completely, but everything that was despised and weak, they totally destroyed. Now remember what God said, put them under the ban, kill every living thing. Saul spares Agag, king of the Amalekites, and the best of the cattle and sheep, calves and lambs. And the word of the Lord came to Samuel. I am grieved that I have made Saul king because he's turned away from me and has not carried out my instructions. Samuel was troubled and he cried out to the Lord all that night. Early in the morning, Samuel got up and went to meet Saul. But he was told, Saul has gone to Carmel, Mount Carmel. 
and there he set up a monument in his own honor and has turned and gone down to Gilgal. Well, wait a minute here. Why did Saul spare King Agag and the best of the cattle and sheep and so on? Why did he do that? Did he not have the stomach to kill everyone? Or was there another reason? And now we find that after this great victory, Saul has gone to Mount Carmel and set up a monument to himself. So when Samuel reached him, Saul said, Oh, the Lord bless you. I've carried out the Lord's instructions. But Samuel said, Really? What's this bleeding of sheep in my ears? What's this lowing of cattle that I hear? And Saul answered, Well, the soldiers brought them, uh, brought them from the Amalekites. They spared the best of the sheep and cattle to sacrifice to the Lord your God. But we totally destroyed all the rest. Stop, Samuel said to Saul. Let me tell you what the Lord said to me last night. Well, Saul is blanching. And he said, tell me. And Samuel said, Although you were once small in your own eyes, Remember tall Saul, a head taller than everybody else? But he was the one, when he was anointed king, was hiding in the baggage. You did not become the head of the tribes of Israel. Didn't, didn't you become the leader, the king? The Lord anointed you king over Israel. And he sent you on a mission, saying... Go and completely destroy these wicked people, the Amalekites. Make war on them until you've wiped them out. So why did you not obey the Lord? Why did you pounce on the plunder and do evil in the eyes of the Lord? Saul said, well, but, but, but I did obey the Lord. I, I went on the mission the Lord assigned me. I completely destroyed the Amalekites, brought back Agag, their king, and the soldiers took sheep and cattle from the plunder and the best of what was devoted to God in order to sacrifice them to the Lord your God at Gilgal. But Samuel replied, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the voice of the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams, for rebellion is like the sin of divination, and arrogance like the evil of idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. And then Saul said to Samuel, Oh, I, 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 I sinned, I... I I violated the Lord's command and your instructions. Now, why did he violate them? Why did he spare them? I was afraid of the men, so I gave in to them. I was afraid of my men. I told you that would happen. When the men refused that order by Saul to kill Jonathan, he lost all credibility. Now, the men, he's afraid of his own men. So why spare Agag? Why spare the best of the cattle and sheep and so on? How do soldiers get paid? They share the plunder. We, we learn that in a, in, a, in a book like Homer's The Iliad. Warriors, are, warriors fight for honor 
and glory. Honor is what other people say about you. Glory is what you get from the plunder, the portion of the plunder that you get. And the greater your performance in battle, the greater the plunder that you get. Sparing Agag the king, he could be ransomed. They can get money for him. And sparing the best of the cattle, sheep, and so on? Well, that's the reward to the warriors. That's their pay. I was afraid of my men. So I gave in to them. Now I, I, I beg you, forgive my sin. Come back with me so I, I may worship the Lord. Samuel said, I will not go back with you. You have rejected the word of the Lord and the Lord has rejected you as king over Israel. You're fired. As Samuel turned to leave, Saul caught hold of the hem of his robe and it tore. And Samuel said to him, notice, Saul is now on his knees. The hem of the robe tore. Samuel said to him, the Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today and given it to one of your neighbors, to one better than you. He who is the glory of Israel does not lie or change his mind, for he is not a man that he should change his mind. And Saul replied, weeping, I, I have sinned. Please honor me before the men and the elders of the people. Come back with me so I may worship the Lord your God. Notice the Lord your God, not the Lord my God. So Samuel went back with Saul, and Saul worshiped the Lord. And then Samuel said, Bring me Agag, king of the Amalekites. Agag came to him confidently, thinking, Surely the bitterness of death is past. I'll be, I'll be ransomed. They'll give money. I'll go back home. But Samuel said, Your sword has made women childless. So will your mother be childless among women. And Samuel, our NIV translation reads, put Agag to death before the Lord at Gilgal. It's much more vivid in the Hebrew. Samuel hacked Agag to death. And Samuel left for Ramah. But Saul went up to his home in Gibeah of Saul. Until the day Samuel died, he did not see Saul again. Though Samuel mourned for him, and the Lord was grieved that he had made Saul king over Israel. What a story. But we have to ask, and I'm sure you're thinking, why would God issue that command? Go attack the Amalekites, totally destroy everything that belongs to them, put them under the ban, do not spare them, put men, women, children, infants, cattle, sheep, camels, donkeys... Kill them all. Why would God say that? Agag was spared for a time. But if we turn back all the way over to the book of Esther. Now Samuel reigns as king from 1050 to 1010. Esther takes place in the 480s. And Esther, oh, it's a wonderful story. The Israelites are now in exile in Babylon. Babylon's conquered by Persia. And our story of Esther takes place in Persia during the reign 
of Xerxes, king of Persia. Xerxes uh, was king from 486 to 465 BC. So a lot of time has gone by. What? 600 years almost. And we find in the story of Esther that that vile, loathsome, and despicable man, Haman, has plotted to kill all the Jews in Persia on a single day. I turn over to Esther, chapter 3. After these events, King Xerxes honored Haman, son of Hamadath, the Agagite, elevating him and giving him a seat of honor higher than all the other nobles. And all the royal officials at the king's gate knelt down and paid honor to Haman, for the king had commanded this concerning him. Haman, the arch-villain of Scripture in the book of Esther, Haman, the one who plots the first genocide of the Jews. All the Jews in Persia are to be killed. Esther herself is a Jew. Haman, son of Hamadatha, the Agagite. Haman was a direct descendant of King Agag of the Amalekites. Agag that we read about here in 1 Samuel chapter 15, whom Saul spared. And Samuel then later hacked him to death. But apparently, Agag had a son, who had a son, who had a son, who had a son, and 600 years later, the descendant is Haman, the Agagite, who plots the first genocide of the Jews. I think God knew something about that ahead of time and was going to stop it before it happened. But thanks to Saul disobeying God, Agag is spared, at least in time, to generate offspring who later on will have an important role as an arch-villain in the story of Esther. Don't you just love that? That is so good. Well, Let's bring our podcast to a closer. A little bit early, about 15 minutes, but we'll go in Friday. And if Saul has been fired, who's going to be hired? And that will be the question for Friday. Thank you for being here, folks. I love all of you. Keep me in your prayers as I'll keep you in mine. And blessings to you. Bye-bye till Friday.